Welcome to the Raise the Roof, Remove the Walls podcast. Joe and Andy here with you again. Hi, guys. And uh, this week we're coming at you with another parable. Uh, we're looking at the parable of the weeds found in Matthew 13. And this, this one's split up because it's, it's, there's not very many of these, but Jesus explains a few here in Matthew 13. The, the disciples ask some questions. And so uh, we'll give you the, the parable and then jumps a few verses and then he explains it to them. So uh, verse 24 here in chapter 13 is where he starts the parable. Uh, says Jesus told another parable uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field but while everyone was sleeping his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away when the wheat sprouted and formed heads then the weeds also appeared the owner's servants came to him and said sir didn't you sow good seed in your field where then did the weeds come from an enemy did this he replied the servants asked him do you want us to go and pull them up no he answered because while you were pulling the weeds you may uproot the wheat with them let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into the barn. Uh, and then if you jump ahead to verse 36, uh, they leave and the disciples ask him about it. So in 37, he starts explaining. He says, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled and burned up in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So I'll let you dive into this one first. What are, what are we looking at here with the parable of the weeds? Well, you know, to me, um, this parable really captures and explains what we see in our world today. Um, you know, here's, here's a, a farmer. And it's, it's interesting to me that Jesus uses, there's at least three parables that deal with like, uh, farming and agriculture. And I think we have to remember that uh, Israel in Jesus's day, as most of the world was, was primarily a rural agriculturally based societies. And so these are going to make a whole lot more sense and, and speak, I think, more directly to the people of Jesus's day. And as I read and, and did a little study on this, it was not unusual in that day and time for farmers to kind of be in, in competition, rivals with each other. And actually some go and sow weeds or even poisonous weeds in other farmers' crops, particularly like wheat and, and those kinds of things, because there were weeds that mimicked what wheat looked like as it was beginning to sprout and they didn't really see it until it reached a more mature thing. So you know, he's, he's saying, listen, in the world, there are good people and there are evil people. And, and I don't think we believe that. I, I, I think that, that the, our culture says, oh, everybody's really good. It's just that they get corrupted by circumstances or other people or philosophies or stuff like that. But people are born really good and they just get corrupted. And unfortunately, I think in the church, we say, we believe that people need Jesus, 
But I think a lot of times we really think people need Jesus to be better people. They're already good. They just need Jesus to be better. And so we add Jesus as a part of our lives, uh, just like we add school or we add anything else that we think adds uh, value or, or purpose to our lives. And Jesus is just one of those things. I think what Jesus is saying here is, listen, in the world, there are those that the Son of Man seeds, Jesus seeds. He changes our life. He transforms us. We move from being sinners to being saints. And then there are people that are evil because they have never been transformed by Jesus. And so I, I to me, Romans 3.23 goes along with this parable, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And outside of a transformation of Jesus in our lives through the Holy Spirit, our recognition of our sin, acknowledgement of his death on the cross to pay for it, and then surrendering our lives to let him be Lord, we are evil and capable of doing very evil things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that tendency on our part to assume all people are good at their core, that, that really they're good is because is we want to think that of ourselves. Yes, and, and, absolutely. And until we come to that point with ourselves, we're never going to come there with, with other people. We're never going to believe those scriptures fully. We're never going to see it as much. We're, right. we're never going to get to a, a point like Paul is where he knows he's the chief of sinners. Like we're never going to reach that point whenever we yes. think Jesus is just something we add to our lives because we're already pretty yes. good. We just need someone to make us a little better, get us over the yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I had a, I had a, um, I had a leader in, in one of the churches that I was on staff at. He was a deacon in our church. And I went to him one day because he had a son that was one of the most natural leaders I'd ever seen, but he, he didn't, his son wasn't applying it to leading in, in a, in a Jesus sense, you know, he really wasn't involved in our youth ministry. He came on Sundays mostly, I think, because his parents made him. And so I went to his dad deacon in our church leader. And I said, I'm really concerned about your son. And, and I'd like some, some ways that which I could maybe connect with him and get him drawn more into the youth group and leading uh, in, in, in that manner, leading, you know, spiritually. And here's what he said. Well, you know, we've always wanted our kids to be well-rounded. So they're involved in school things and athletics and other things. And that's just one of the things he's involved in. And really, that's not probably the most important thing that needs to be in his life. And I was shocked because it was. This was just another piece of being a good, outwardly good person. But the other thing you touched on is I think we have to come to a point to see that in ourselves first. I agree wholeheartedly. And, and every time I watched the TV series House, which <laughs> is about this brilliant doctor who is arrogant and condescending and rude, and he mocks people, he makes fun of them, he cuts them down. And I think without Jesus in my life, without the Holy Spirit in me, that would be me, not the brilliant doctor, but the, the condescending, arrogant put down of other people, because I know apart from Jesus and apart from the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I have, I'm, I'm not a good guy. I know what's inside of me. I know those desires that even now at times rise up and the Holy Spirit goes, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. I mean, like right now, our city has done a stupid thing. They have, they have voided the contract of our um, waste management people. And they came and took our, my, our garbage can, our dumpster. So I have nowhere to put my trash. 
And what I want to do is go down and dump it in front of City Hall. Now, I have the Holy Spirit and I have your mother working in my life to tell me, no, you cannot do that. But that's what I want to do. And I know it's wrong. I know it's rude. I know it won't serve any purpose. But there is that 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 natural um, evil in our lives. And, and we see it in our culture when, when we, I mean, we had another mass shooting in Baltimore yesterday. It's like over 300 mass shootings we've had in this country in six months. And, and that's on top of all the just homicides where somebody, one person kills another person or, or injures them or harms them in some way. And, and the answer is always going to be elect the right people, pass the right laws, push the right restrictions on. And the reality is it's got to be dealt with the evilness in these people's hearts. We could take every weapon away. We could pass every restrictive law we want. We could elect all the right people to office and there's still going to be evil in the world because it's in our hearts and it has to be changed by God, not by us. Yeah. And all good, all good points. I like those. I think one of the other things I really get from this, this passage, which kind of feels like a good spot to transition at. When we see those things in the world, we have these mass shootings, these, these horrible things happen around us and our natural response. And it makes sense is God. Why? Why do these things happen around us? Yeah. Why is this not better? And yeah. I think this parable gives us some insight yes. into that because we have to live among the weeds. Yes. He's not just going to rip it up and, and, and tear everything up because that would include us. And so he's got to let the, the good grow right along with the bad. You know, I mean, there's, there's other paths say, you know, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Like yeah. this is what the consequences of our choices are. And yes. he has to let those things go so that those of us who choose him have the opportunity to choose him. You know, this, this is the cost of that freedom. This is the cost of that choice that he gives us is that people can choose yes. not to go with him too. Yes. Uh, I mean, if you want, if you want a deeper, difficult understanding of, of free will, read the shack. Okay. <laughs> Bring tissue. Yes. Um, right. And, and I know there's some people out there that probably just winced at the shack. Oh, this book. It's yeah. fiction. Okay. He's, he's just showing us a picture of some stuff. Just simmer down um but you know that but the thing in that book that gets you is uh, this this battle this guy has inside of him with here's this person who did this horrible thing awful most just worst thing you can imagine and learning to let go of that and learning to forget that 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 the way that i allow you to choose me i i have to give this other person this choice too and those choices intersect and, and overlap and, and you can't just pull one out of the middle because right. it throws off everything you know and, and we see that yeah. he says don't don't pull them up and, yeah. and not only do we have to live among those they're hard to tell the difference between early on like you i, I love oh, yes. some of the same stuff you did that there was actually like a plant that was poisonous that looked a whole lot like wheat yeah you know? and i'm sure that the um the people listening to jesus tell this live and in person like that they understood that picture better yeah than Right. They knew exactly what right. kind of seed he was talking about. They got sown and, and brought these weeds or some translations say thistles, you know, this, that it looks really similar. Like we, we do fine when something looks totally different. We know that doesn't belong here. Right. I, I have locust trees, the bane of human existence because okay? <laughs> they just grow their roots like just under the ground and then they pop up every once in a while. And so like yeah. this past week I was out of town and anytime we're gone for a few days and we get and we got a little bit of rain, tiny bit of rain one day while we were gone, you come home, there's little locust shoots all over. Like yep. I 
I dug up half a dozen of them in my backyard that were not there when I left five days before, right? They just shoot up right away, right? And I go deal with those because they're annoying and ugly and I don't want them. But even when I deal with those, I tear up the grass around it. Yes. And so it affects that stuff. Yeah. And that's us. We're, we're affected yeah. by this stuff. We have to live around this stuff. We, we want God sometimes to just, well, just make this all, just sanitize the whole thing here and get rid of all this other stuff. He can't do that. That would get rid of us. Yes. He doesn't want to get rid of us. And no. so we have to learn to grow uh, just among those weeds and, and yeah. deal with the choices that people make. Yeah. And, and I notice here, you know, he's, the farmer tells the workers, no, 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 just let them grow together and we'll deal with them at the harvest. And then when Jesus explains that, he points out, that's not our job as Christians yes. to try to pull the evil people out of culture. But I think a lot of times that's what I hear my brothers and sisters saying something. Well, we just need to, and, and they'll say something to, to remove these, these evil people. And, and, I, and, and this parable points out, it's not my job. And I had a lady ask me one time, well, how do you tell the difference between a lost person and somebody who, who's just kind of moved away from, from their faith in Jesus? And I said, not my job to worry about that because I can't look at a person's heart. You know, outwardly, there are some people who look very good morally, ethically, they're, they're good people, but they have no relationship to God. And so he's saying, no, no, at harvest, when I return, the angels will come and they'll take care of that because they have the knowledge that we don't. You know, I'm afraid that I probably might be plucking people out who are believers living that out in the way that they should, but I'm plucking a brother or sister out and going, no, no, you got to go away from me. I don't want anything. No, it's not our job. We don't have, we have finite knowledge. We don't have infinite knowledge as God does. And he gives those angels at the end of, of, of the age, that ability to go, yes, this is, this is one who's given their lives to me, this one who isn't. And it's not my job to figure that out. Uh, you know, uh, when, when I was a pastor and I would preach every Sunday, I never thought in my mind, okay, I'm going to tailor this to so-and-so and so-and-so or this group because they really need it. No, I'm just going to preach truth and let the Holy Spirit do what he does because my job is simply to manifest Jesus and to proclaim him. He does the rest of the work of transforming and changing, and he will do the work of uh, separating the weeds from the wheat at the end, not my job. And so it's, I don't have to worry about it. And I think a lot of times in the church, we, 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 we want, we want to change the world. We don't want God to change us. And, and, and that's what he's focused on. You know, I told somebody one time, no, God has never spoken to me in prayer or in scripture about somebody else. He's always talked to me about me because that's where I need to change. And if I change and manifest Jesus, then he'll use that. He'll use me to, to, to help transform other people without me doing anything but being who God told me to be and do what God told me to do. Yeah, yeah. That's, we miss this mark so badly, right? That, that we want to pull up the weeds. We yeah. want to be the ones who decide. And it's not us because that's exactly we're We're just called to grow. Yeah. Like that's, we have no active role in this parable no he plants the seed which is us we we're a seed that gets thrown in the ground and grows as right. watered and taken care of and then we get 
we get harvested. We do nothing. Yeah. Right? Like nobody's sitting out there going, man, this wheat just didn't do a good job of growing. This bread tastes terrible. Like nobody blames the wheat for that. Right. That's that's on the farmer. That's on the harvester. That's on all those other right. things. And we're we do not have an active role in this one. Right. We're supposed to let God do what he does and grow in us. Yeah. And that's yeah. That's not easy for us all the time. We like to have a lot more control than that. We like to have a lot more say and think we have a lot more influence. And we don't um, well, we don't have the ability. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's simply obedience. Yeah. We, when we're plant when when he plants the seed in our lives, the Holy Spirit, then our job is simply to allow the Holy Spirit to grow us and to form in us that image of Christ, make us into who God created us to be. You know. You know, we just got back from, uh, I call it a mission adventure with Jesus. It certainly was a mission and it certainly was an adventure. And it certainly, thank goodness, was with Jesus or we would not be here talking today. Um, but, you know, Sunday, we're back at our, our our faith family, our home church. And they're asking, oh, well, are you going to go again? And I'm like, if God tells me to go again, yes, I will go. But if God doesn't tell me to go again, no, I'm not going to take it upon myself. This was not a dream that I had or that, that your mom had that, that this, we were going to go do this. It came to us as an invitation and we prayed about it. And I tried to pray to tell God and tell us no, but he didn't. He told us yes. And the nightmare of getting there, there was, I'm like, okay, either God, you're going to do an awesome work and say, Satan is really trying to kill this or we made a mistake. And I know we didn't have made a mistake. So I know this is what you want, but to then go, okay, well, this is what God wanted at this season of my life. And in six months, a year or whatever, does he want me to do it again? Only if he tells me to do it. You know, I, I was, I was reading today, Psalm 23, where it says the Lord is my shepherd and a shepherd leads to sheep. The sheep don't lead the shepherd. The sheep don't go to the shepherd and go, okay, this is what I want to do. So I want you to bless it. No, we simply follow <laughs> Jesus and let him do what he wants to in our lives. And our job is simply as the clay in the potter's hands to be molded, to be what God wants us to be, not to tell God, this is what I want. So you make it happen. And I'm afraid a lot of times in our prayers, and I hear people pray and they almost dictate to God, here's what I want you to do and how I want you to do it. And I'm thinking, you're wasting your time. It is about what God wants. So he creates in us that desire to know him. He puts in us that's that's that seed of the Holy Spirit to bring us into relationship with him. And then we grow. And then he uses that growth to, to change people's lives. But not my job to create the growth. It's not my job to change people's lives. He does that. Yeah. And only he can do that. We, we... Yes. We think we know so much. And, you know, I, I got a good picture of this this past week. Uh, we hung out with my my in-laws and my my father-in-law makes the best steak I've ever had in my life. Like he he is a he is a meticulous. That, that's an understatement. To say my father-in-law is a meticulous planner. When he does something, he will know all the steps. He will have everything down, which makes for a really good steak. It is like perfect every time. Just how like and we all have different like. Here's the medium stakes. Here's the medium well stakes. Here's the well done. Stakes. And they're, they're money. They're nail it, right? He knows what he's doing. We were happy to bring some steak and just get out of his way the other night. And, and me and my brother-in-law, sort of my, my wife's sister's husband, there's not actually a word for how we're related. 
Uh, we call it brother-in-law unremoved because he's not going anywhere because we're keeping him no matter what. Um, but, you know, we, we just sat out there. We're talking to him, watching him do his thing, hoping we pick up a few tidbits so we can be better at this. And my niece comes out and starts to tell grandpa something about what he should do for the steak. And it was all I could do now <laughs> to just start laughing out loud. Like, here's this 11-year-old girl who's never cooked a steak in her life, but she's got some advice for grandpa who does this every week, who has cooked steak pretty much every week for 30 years. Like oh, at this, least. This is what he has on Friday nights if he has any say in it, right? Friday night, we're having steak. This is what he does. He knows what he's doing. I've never met any. I, there's no one I trust more with a piece of steak and a grill than my father-in-law on the planning. But my niece was going to tell him what he needed to know about it, right? Uh, she also tried to tell me and my wife how to cook bacon. That, that was also pretty good because my son, is, he has a shirt that says powered by bacon. And it is true. We cook a lot of bacon. It over them. Yes, it is. And only a certain kind of bacon. Yes, got to be crispy enough for the boys kind of like, eh, I don't know about this stuff. So we know what yeah. we're doing. We, we, yep. we work on it well. Right. But that's that's us with God so much of the time is that we're this kid coming up to this person who knows exactly what they're doing. We're, you know what you should really do, God? You know what I think? Yeah. And we're lucky that God just kind of smiles and chuckles at us and doesn't yes. like go all like Greek Roman gods and zap us with a lightning bolt like, like yeah. fictional people would. That he yeah. has mercy and grace and loves us. Um, you know, I mean, that's we, we see that response in the book of Job when Job finally goes far enough and says enough things that God's like, fine, I'll answer you. You really want it? Here it is. And yeah. He doesn't answer Job's questions. He just reminds Job who he is. Who he is, yes. And we need to remember who he is. And this this parable should help us do that. That Hey, he's the one growing us. He's the one deciding those things. We don't we don't decide who's a weed and who's who's the good plant or any of no. that stuff. And no. that's us so much of the time that we we get lost in it and we get off off target here trying to trying to figure that out and, tr and trying to weed our own garden like we're yes. trying to weed our own stuff and god's yes. saying did i tell you to do that did i tell you that could be thrown off into the fire no we don't know what's going to happen to that we, we have this incredible god who changes weeds into good things okay he yes. transforms um and so who knows what he's going to do yeah. so that's not our job our job is to uh continue to grow and just follow yeah. and to produce the fruit yeah, we produce the fruit. We stay attached to Jesus. We produce the fruit. The rest will take care of itself. He'll deal with the rest. Yeah. And I think so, so much time. I love the very last verse of the explanation in this one. because I think it's important for us. You know, the, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. This glorious moment when everything will be how it's meant to be. That yes. comes at the end. Right. That can't come now. Yeah. And the reason no, it doesn't come no. now is because God's patient and he's waiting for more people to stop me. And he's waiting for more people to let him change them. So they're not weeds yes. and they get to be part of the kingdom. Yeah. And yeah, but, but, but we, we want, you know, when we, when we, bad things happen and on our trip, a lot of bad things happen getting <laughs> to where we're going, but not once was I thinking, God, why are you doing this? Cause I knew it wasn't God. And I think, a lot of times we want the world to be perfect and it's, it's not, it's fallen, it's broken and it's not going to be fixed. Like you said, until the end, until he restores everything. And that's after he physically comes back. So I've got to realize I live in a world with a lot of weeds. I live in an evil world. It's broken and it's fallen and bad things are going to happen to all of us because we, even as believers, are, are going to get some of the fallout. Now, I believe God protects us and provides for us, 
And I saw that on this trip beyond belief. But are we going to face difficult times? Yes. And if we are so intent on trying for ourselves to change the world, we're going to live frustrated. We're going to be frustrated followers of Jesus because it's not going to happen this side of his coming back. And we just have to accept that and then to allow God to use us in a fallen world and not get blown away or angry or frustrated with the fact that the world is acting like the world acts. Our job is to act as followers of Jesus. And if we'll do that, he'll take, like I said, he'll take care of it. We don't, we don't have to worry about it. Imagine that not expecting the world without Jesus to act like they have Jesus. What a, what a crazy concept. If, if only Paul had said something like that, like, Hey, don't judge the world. Just talk about those inside the church. Oh, that's a different passage. We'll get to that that's some other day, I'm sure. So I think that's about it for the parable yep. of deeds, Matthew 13. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, we'll be back again next week. Bye, guys.